comes back down from, you know, using the water closet and the telephone. <laughs> the water closet. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in England. I'm getting in the fucking zone, bro. <laughs> Welcome back to Fall in Love February, and happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's so crazy. Sorry, I'm like, wait, who? Yeah, yeah. it is. Wow. Your boyfriend is going to be there during Valentine's Day. Yeah, as as we speak, he will be here as of the release of this episode. Yeah. So. so exciting. Yeah, we're just going to stay in, um, make like a nice dinner, make like some steak and probably asparagus and like potatoes or something. Nice. Um, I'm going to buy like a nice bottle of wine from work and yeah, we'll watch movies and just hang out. That sounds so nice. I don't know what we're doing. I know we're going to like do something, but I was like, you can plan that. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I have been getting – um. Like I love to give cards, and so I have gotten two cards so far for Josh. Just like I'll probably get some more little like things. I actually spent mm-hmm. too much money at the Lego store the other day. Oh, and they, that's so easy to do. <laughs> it's literally <laughs> so expensive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it's fine. But. <laughs> It was for it was for a gift for my brother, and so I don't like mind it. But I was literally like, "Holy fuck!" Like if I had a three D printer, mm-hmm. this would be like your. I would shut down your shit. Like, yeah, it's just insane. But um, they did give me a little. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a puppy. Like you, it you have to put it together. It's a kit, but it's like for mm-hmm. a puppy who's sitting at like a kissing booth, and it's oh, really cute. cute. Very yeah. cute. But uh, yeah, let us know what your V-Day plans are. Do you have a date? Do you have a a like Galentine's planned? Do you have a hang? Mm-hmm. Are you going to like watch a horror movie? What are you doing? Let us know. Yeah, my mom texted me. She was like, let's go shopping on Monday and like hang out. And I thought she said for Galentine's Day, but I read it closer and she said to Galavant. Like, let's go gallivant. (laughs) I was like, oh. Love love a gallivant. And, you know, with it being Valentine's Week, I feel like every day in the surrounding week of Valentine's Day is Galentine's Day. Right. Yeah. And therefore, I should treat myself and buy whatever I want. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, with that being said, should we get into into today's, like, romantique heavy hitter? film absolutely why don't you let the people know who don't bother reading the title of the episode <laughs> people who just blindly click on it uh today we are doing 1999's Notting hill wow honestly one of the most endearing roles i've seen hugh grant play oh absolutely just like charming sweet Mm -hmm. a little bit like bumbly a little bit awkward but in the most endearing way possible yeah i feel like i don't usually see him uncomfortable or like awkward Mm. he's pretty confident in his roles yeah especially comparing to like 
Bridget Jones or even like music and lyrics where, yeah, he's a little bit of a has-been, but he's he's a little more like assertive, I guess. Yeah. Like I think of Colin Firth, especially thinking of Bridget Jones, Colin Firth is usually like the meeker, shy one. Yeah. But no, this is this is some peak Hugh Grant, like fluffy, mm-hmm. floppy hair, mm-hmm. uh, you know, slightly loose button down, those little glasses. Oh, yeah, the tortoise shell yeah. glasses. I was like, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> he looked amazing. Yeah. So shall we get into the numbers? Absolutely. So box office hit. Mm-hmm. The budget was $42 million, and they made $383.8 million in the box office. Wow. Huge. Huge <laughs> game. Huge W, if you yeah, will. Absolutely. A big win for the British. Yeah. Um, it was a smash hit. I mean, having Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts top-billed in a movie, like, you're pretty mm-hmm. much set. You're guaranteed a win. Yeah. And- I'm reading now that this opened on the same weekend as Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Whoa. I'm like, what a time to pick to release your movie. Yeah. Um, oh, it opened on Memorial Day weekend. It's probably around my birthday. But know. yeah, it, it is like a critically acclaimed film. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't know if it's won any awards per se, but it is like regarded as a good film. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Richard Curtis is – kind of regarded as one of, you know, the the godfathers of the romantic comedy between this uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral and Love mm-hmm. Actually, as well as um, About Time he also did. So, like, so many good movies under his belt. Bridget Jones' Diary. Oh, there you go. So something interesting about the film is that it was actually filmed in Notting Hill. So in order to get cooperation – from as many residents and business owners as possible. Curtis, he resided in Notting Hill, and so his whole team wrote thousands of letters pledging goodwill payments to over 200 different charities so that they could film in Notting Hill. Mm -hmm. I'm like, respect to that because so many people are like, yeah, we're in fucking wherever, and they're just (laughs) not at all. Yeah. So that's really cool. And also they made it seem so magical, like when he's walking through the farmer's market mm-hmm. or he's saying hi to his friends. I'm like, this looks lovely. It is a lovely neighborhood. Um, is it? Yeah, it's it's gorgeous there. It's so cute. The houses like that are all kind of different pastel-y colors mm. still exist to this day. Like it's a gorgeous little spot. Uh, I was just there in 2022. Um so I went there, like the market was there, stopped by all the sellers, did go to the bookshop, took my little picture outside the bookshop. <laughs> uh, we did like browse around, I think, because I went with our friend Christina and I think that she did end up buying something. If I think she definitely bought like a tote bag. I don't know if she also bought a book. But yeah, yeah it was it was really cute. Obviously, lots of people showed up to also take pictures outside. It's a vague tourist spot because of this movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a very, very adorable neighborhood and quite expensive to live in. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of giving like Park Slope, Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. okay. Because he was like, he made it, well, his flat that he used to have with his wife, now he mm-hmm. had to take in like 
a border and yeah. it looks like absolute shite. Yeah. But <laughs> but I can totally see that like it would it seems like a nice area. Like it would be expensive to live there. Yeah, and I'm sure it's a lot more expensive now than back in like ninety nine. Mm. But yeah. Yeah. Uh so speaking of Will's cute little flat, uh the exterior to his home that they use throughout the movie including the blue door that was once uh, owned by Richard Curtis. And after the movie came out, the home's new owners were like so annoyed by all the fans coming to visit that they painted the iconic blue door black, which I'm like, I get it. Like it's, I'm sure it's incredibly annoying, but I'm like, that's a piece of cinematic history there. But after they moved out, the door was painted back to blue eventually. So it does still exist, I believe, to this day. I want to see it. I think it's like a different door, though. Actually, I think they may have like taken the door off the hinges and like oh. it's, you know, to, for uh, cataloging or, you know, immortalizing. Sure. But yeah. I just want to go to England. Like I've never been to England. I think like I've just heard so many people talking about it, especially in the past year. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I need to just experience it. Like, would you want to go to London or just bop around to the cute little towns and stuff? Well, if I go with my boyfriend, he like he used to live in England, and yeah. he's like, "I want to show you where I grew up," and yeah. so I would have to go there. But um, what I would really enjoy is like doing like a road trip around. Mm. So, like, obviously seeing London, but also getting to see other places and stuff. Because I've passed through it, but just, like, been in the airport and stuff. And I'm, like, Mm -hmm. it's crazy because I feel like I've been to – now I've been to Scotland. I've been to Ireland. Yeah. But I've just never been to England. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've I've been to England quite a bit. Yeah. Growing up, I also had, like, family friends that lived in Surrey. So, like, when we would visit them, we would just kind of, like, go around to different little towns. Mm -hmm. Been to, like, Eastbourne. I've been to Brighton. But yeah, I got my prom dress in like a tiny random little town in England while I was oh, there on so like cool. summer vacation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's lots of lots of sweet little spots to go to. Ooh, Bath. I want to go to Wales too. That'd be cool. Yeah. Just spitballing here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone has any wrecks, uh, let yeah. us know. Um, but a little bit about the casting of the film. So Nicole Kidman fought to get the role of Anna Scott, but she was told she wasn't talented enough. Oh, my God. And I know that's, like, very insane. But Roberts originally didn't want to play the role because she thought the pitch sounded terrible, which is crazy because in other, like, spots on the internet, it's like they only wanted Julia Roberts to play the role. Like, that was who they had in mind. Yeah. So for her to be like, uh, like, what a – Slap in the face. I bet Nicole Kidman was, like, pissed. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, I think she said it was when she got to the part in the script where she, like, kisses him in the apartment that she was like, oh, wait, this is actually – I'm hooked. I know that the writer wrote with Hugh Grant in mind Mm because they have, like, a a little actor-writer, like, you're my muse type of thing. Yeah, like, you know, Meg Ryan and Nora Ephron. Speaking of the character of Anna Scott, um, many people that think that she's, like, based on Julia Roberts, which, fair assumption, because she is just kind of playing herself in many ways in this movie. Oh, yeah. Like, just playing one of the most 
famous movie stars of the 90s. But uh, the character is supposed to be kind of a hybrid of Grace Kelly and Audrey Hepburn. I don't know if this is that interesting, but in a GQ interview, Hugh Grant claimed that the film was based on real life and loosely followed a friend of Richard's who fell in love with an extremely world-famous person who wasn't mentioned. Um, And much like the film, Curtis's friend was an everyday person who met the well-known celebrity in Harrods, and they ended up having a relationship. And I'm like, why haven't I met Nick Jonas (laughs) and, like, had this happen to me? In Bloomingdale's, you know? Yeah, in, like, fucking – where did I shop when I was in college? In, like, um, a Brandy Melville. Yeah. <laughs> why was Nick Jonas not hanging out in Brandy yeah. Melville? <laughs> why Why would I went into American Apparel? Uh, was he not there? Like, that yeah. was – Why was Harry Styles not, like, hanging out in Urban Outfitters when I yeah. was, you know, buying my romper? <laughs> Weird that I've never bumped into any famous hot single men in TJ Maxx. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, with that being said, I think we should just head into it. Uh, but before we do, we just want to let you know that the Patreon film of the month has been selected. Yeah. And it's going to be Sweet Home Alabama, which was actually on our shortlist for Fall in Love February. So it's kind of perfect that it's making its way in. So if you do want to listen to that episode this month, uh, head over to our Patreon and uh, feel free to sign up. See what it's all about. Yeah, feel free to sign up. Feel free to, I don't know, send us money personally. (laughs) Give us your money, please. Yeah. Can you make this my full-time job? (laughs) That responsibility, it's on you. So Yeah. Well, with that being said, should we take a stroll right down Portobello Road into it? Yeah. That's all all I got. That's all I got for you (laughs) folks. Yeah. So in the opening, we hear a reporter talking about Miss Anna Scott. She is a huge star. There's a whole montage of Anna walking the red carpet, you know, gracing the covers of magazines. Just like real life footage of Julia Roberts as a celebrity. It's mostly from Entertainment Tonight that they got this footage. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. Um, just the smile uh, for days. Right. Just that, you know, 100-watt smile, lights Mm -hmm. up the whole town, sparkling eyes, beautiful hair. Skin of a baby. Yeah, just one of the most beautiful women that's ever lived, frankly. Right. She actually – because I was looking at her and I was thinking of Emma Roberts and I was like, the Mm -hmm. smile is very similar. But then we see – in juxtaposition, everyday common man, William Thacker, played by Hugh Grant, as if, like, the normal day-to-day man looks like Hugh Grant. Oh, I wish. Yeah. I want to live in that world. <laughs> and he's walking through the market. He talks about how he's seen Anna Scott in film and thought she was great, but she's always been a million miles away from his world, Notting Hill. He's like, I'm just a wego person. <laughs> just a blue-collar, average man walking down the street in my billowy button-down with my right. little tailored trousers. And they always have to own a bookshop. Oh, yeah. 
They always have to have like a cute small business. Yeah, it is one of the top 10 most common um, jobs for men in rom-coms, actually, is a bookstore. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, and so William kind of talks about Notting Hill, about the farmer's market, the tattoo studio, this kooky hairdresser, and an antique market. And he also says he has lots of friends who ended up in this part of London, like Tony, who was an architect and he turned into a chef and opened a restaurant. Yeah. And you can tell he just has like a very like lovely like life. Like mm-hmm. he has people I don't know, like there are some people who live life very singularly. And then you can tell that he like lives life very like actively. Like he seems to be he's part of his community. The community. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. It is very, like, as he's walking through and talking about it, what I did here in my head is, I think I like this little Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So we go to William's house, and he lives in a flat with a blue door. Well, I guess he doesn't live in it. He lives in the whole house. He he bought the house. And he actually bought it with his wife before she left him for a man who looks like Harrison Ford. As if Hugh Grant is not just incredibly good looking. Sure. (laughs) So he heads into his flat and says he now lives a half-life with a lodger named Spike. We see him walk in. It is looking a little dumpy like there's a lot of dishes piled around and like shit on the floor just has kind of a layer of grime over it what is wrong with like men right (laughs) like (laughs) i know it's not every single guy don't get me wrong but like i do see specifically with men that they just are like not concerned with cleanliness yeah um a lot of men were not taught to have to clean their own spaces or they mm-hmm. were and they just decide not to do it and wait for a woman to show up in their lives and do it for them and be their mommy be their mommy because <laughs> i'm like also straight up like i can do a chore that i don't like doing and not complain about it mm-hmm. the entire time and i'm like if you have to do it anyway Maybe don't, like, complain about it the entire time. Yeah. Like, I hate, Just a thought. <laughs> I hate doing dishes more than anything right. in the world, but I do them every day, and I get it done because it has to get done. hmm You watch a little fucking show while you wash the dishes, and you're fine. Yeah. Be it, you, Grow you up. You become your own <laughs> iPad kid. Yeah. And you watch a fucking show, and you do the fucking dishes, and it's done. Exactly. Unplug your brain. Get to scrubbing. <laughs> So, yeah, he walks through this apartment and we see, you know, the infamous Spike who is just wearing his underwear, uh, which he's doing for the majority of this film. But he needs help with an important decision. He needs help picking out a T-shirt for a date with this woman named Janine. And he's like, I have two T-shirts I'm choosing between. The first one says, I love blood and has a plastic <laughs> alien jutting out of it. Insane choice. The, right. the other option is kind of like a tighter, almost baby tee that says, 
get it here with an arrow just pointing down to his dick. And William is like, do you have anything else possibly? Something a little bit more romantic, perhaps? So Spike then pulls out a final third option, which just says, you are the most beautiful woman in the world and has hearts on it. And Mm -hmm. William's like, yeah, actually, that one works. I think that's the one. Good luck, young sir. And Spike turns around to scurry back up the stairs and we see on the back, it just says, fancy a fuck. So. Wow. That tells us everything we need to know about who Spike is. It's the juxtaposition of the I like blood. Yeah. Like, to the, like, fancy a fuck. Yeah. Just uh, the most He's not chaotic. No. But yeah. He is chaotic good, I would say. Right. Right. Just, like, truly crazy and off the wall, but a heart of gold. So, William walks through the market for work, unbeknownst to him that his life will change forever. And we see his bookshop, The Travel Book Co., where this is a poor business decision. (laughs) Absolutely. They sell exclusively books regarding travel. And he says sometimes not very many. Right now they're in the red 347 pounds. After a sales push. So that's brutal. Pretty rough. Um. And his colleague Martin offers to, like, get him a cappuccino, heads out for the coffee. And while William is balancing his books, a woman walks in. He looks over at her and asks if she needs any help. And she's like, oh, I'm just uh, looking around. This is Miss Julia Roberts. And she pulls out a book and he tells her that book isn't great. And suggests another one. And she's like, oh, thank you. I appreciate the suggestion. And then he offers up another option. But as he turns to show her the other book, he notices a man on the security camera stuffing books in his pants. Who's stealing travel books? Like, if you have the means to travel, do you not have the means to buy the book? I, like, I, I'm i <laughs> like, are you selling it for resale? Like, what, what's up here it clearly it's not a booming business right <laughs> so it just it's not the place i would choose to steal no. from personally. i get maybe if you're just a klepto and looking for the thrill right william does confront the thief and he's like we have a security camera in the shop i know there's a book in your trousers and he's like there's no book in my trousers <laughs> the thief is like okay what if there was a book in my trousers and william is like well i'm going to step away You can either wipe it off and put it back or buy it. And he goes back over to Anna, who's looking at a book, and cheekily says she was thinking about stealing one, but now she won't. (laughs) So the thief comes up to Anna and asks for her autograph, and she asks his name and gives him a piece of paper with her signature that reads, Dear Rufus, you belong in jail. This is, of course, when William realizes, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. This is Anna Scott. This is a big right. deal. And he's like, oh, do you want my phone number? And she's like, no. <laughs> like, what the fuck? And <laughs> he leaves and Anna ends up buying the book that he said was bad. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, oh, you know, on second thought, it's not as bad as I remember. Like, none of those childish kebab stories, which is a plot point of another book you recommended. 
And I was like, what is up with the British and kebabs? Yeah, Donair kebabs are like a big, big thing in Europe just in general. Where does that come from? Is it like because the Dutch owned uh, fucking... I guess would Donair... I mean, it, it probably has origins in multiple countries. Yeah. One that like immediately springs to mind would be like... I know that they have them in Turkey as well. Yeah, it's a Turkish. Yeah. Introduced by Turkish immigrants. Yeah. So moving right along, (laughs) um, (laughs) she gets the book and takes the bag and leaves. William comes to the window just as Martin gets back from grabbing coffee, and he tells him he wouldn't believe who just came in. And Martin is like, oh, is it someone famous? And William, like, just changes his mind and doesn't tell him. And Martin's like, ah, it would be cool if it were someone who was famous, someone famous coming in. And then he tells William that he once saw Ringo Starr in Kensington, but it could have been the guy from Fiddler on the Roof. And he's like, okay, those guys look nothing alike. Like, (laughs) are you sure it wasn't just, I don't know, neither of them, actually? (laughs) And Martin downs his coffee, and William's like, do you want another one? He's like, no. Let's go crazy. Maybe an orange juice. And so they're just taking turns getting beverages while, like, no one's coming into the store. Because clearly this is a common occurrence where they're just like, okay, what's the next thing we can do to entertain ourselves? Right. Because of this poor, poor business model that is absolutely failing. Don't know how he's affording to keep Martin on, frankly. but I don't know it. Alas. So William walks down the street to the little cafe, gets an orange juice. And I will say, watching this movie while it's winter, I was just like, damn, I cannot wait until it's like warm and sunny outside. And I can just like walk down to a little cafe Mm -hmm. and get myself a fun little drink and not have to put on 18 layers. Oh, I know. I'm so excited for the summer. Yeah, It's, it's coming. It's coming so soon. But on his way back, he bumps into Anna, oh my gosh, and spills his orange juice all over her pristine white t-shirt. And I also just want to say her styling in this movie, fantastic. It is like 90s gold, the outfits that she's wearing, the teeny tiny little sunglasses, the hats, the leather coat. I was like- The blazers, the like um, semi-androgynous, like Mm -hmm. feminine corporate looks. Like I loved her Incredible. Absolutely incredible. I mean, Julia Roberts would look amazing in a potato sack, but her styling was truly top-notch in this one. Yeah, it was really good. So William freaks out because he has spilled orange juice not only on just another person but on a movie star and he's trying to like, you know, dab her with a tissue and she's like, don't touch me, stranger. And he's like, I'm so, so sorry. I, I My flat is right around the corner. Like, I, you can go clean up in there. And she's like, no, I just need to get my car. And he's like, well, I have a phone too. Like, he can have you spick and span in five minutes and then back out on the street. And she kind of looks at him. He's like, not like a prostitute or anything. Sorry. Like, and he's clearly very nervous. So he's tripping <laughs> over his words, putting his foot in his mouth. And Anna asks how far exactly he lives in yards. And he's like, well, it's just that door right over there. So she does agree. 
Love a little meet cute. Right. They're like, oh my God, you spilled orange shoes on me. Meanwhile, one time I was waiting for the subway and sat down on a bench in just straight into coffee and mm-hmm. a homeless man like pointed and laughed at me. <laughs> <laughs> New York, New York, it's a hell of a town. <laughs> Oh, God. Um, So they go to the apartment, which would be just, like, so gorgeous with the touch of someone who cares about (laughs) home decor and, like, Mm, a little bit of space. (laughs) Yeah, right, right, right. Exactly. Um, It's just annoyingly messy enough where I'm like, if you got a big fucking garbage bag, it would almost immediately, after you threw out everything that was nasty, it would almost immediately be clean. Well, and that's what he does do when she's in the bathroom. He does, like, the quickest tidy in the world, and it makes a huge difference. Gigantic, yeah. So Anna – yeah, he does the tidy up, and then Anna comes back down from, you know, using the water closet and the telephone (laughs) – the water closet. <laughs> I'm in I'm in England. I'm getting in the fucking zone, bro. She was at the loo and used the telly. Like, what can I say? Well, the, the telly would be the TV. Damn it. <laughs> um but she I see where I see where yeah, your brain is at though. That's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, she does come downstairs and she's just like, oh, let me like throw on some fucking rags and comes down in this like gorgeous <laughs> skirt and matching crop top where you can see her like insanely toned like abdomen area. Boom, boom, boom. What the like- hell? And William is like, oh, would you like a cup of tea or coffee? But she's like, oh, no. And he just, like, opens up the fridge and he's like, maybe, like, a half-drinking Diet Coke. Like, do you want some – oh, maybe I have these honey-soaked apricots, which just taste like honey. And she's just like, no to everything you're offering. And he's like, do you always say no to everything? And she's like, no. And I'm like, that is such a cliche. Yeah. The amount I've heard that in movies, like, oh, do you always say no to everything? No. Well, this did come out in 99, so maybe. Yeah, it might have been the blueprint. Yeah, maybe they did it first. But she does thank him for everything. And William is like, you're welcome. And does manage to call her heavenly. Yeah, like how freaking endearing and charming to be like, sorry, I just have to get out this like compliment. You're heavenly? Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I'd be done. I'd be done. So he does say that she won't be coming back to the bookstore after she reads that awful book and says that it was nice to meet her. Surreal, but nice. Yeah. So Anna leaves and William is immediately like kicking himself for saying Mm -hmm. surreal, but nice. Because obviously like if you're a famous person, you don't necessarily want people to like treat you like a famous person all the time. And by him saying, like, it was nice to meet you, surreal, but nice, like, immediately kind of others her and alienates her. Oh, that's so interesting because I read it as him being like, oh, it was surreal because he was, like, immediately stricken by her. Like, they immediately had chemistry. But I guess that makes sense, too. Like, um, surreal to meet yeah, a celebrity. Was, yeah, to meet a, yeah, right. to meet a famous person. Yeah. So before he knows it. The doorbell rings. It's Anna. She <gasps> forgot her bag mm-hmm. with the awful book in it. 
So William grabs it for her and they have this moment at the door and she looks at him and she very boldly leans in and kisses him. What? And this is like really not the way you see things panning out in other rom-coms. It's like there's something very exciting about the fact that like, oh, this kiss is like happening at their first meeting and there's so much like unspoken chemistry between the two of them because like she's barely said five words to him at this point. But she obviously has been charmed by him. There's something exciting about him to her that she was like, I have to kiss this man. Which is refreshing, too, because I was like, are they going to make him do everything? He actually does almost nothing in this movie. <laughs> like She's doing a lot of the pursuing. Sometimes she does uh, too much. Yeah. True, yeah. true. But yeah, she does a lot of the pursuing and also she's the one who's like vulnerable first and like opens up first, but we'll we'll get to that. Mm. So after the kiss, William apologizes for the surreal but nice comment and she says, Oh, it's okay. I actually thought that the apricot honey thing was the real low point. <laughs> oh god. And, of course, at that exact moment, Spike starts unlocking the door, and William is like, oh, bugger, it's my flatmate. I'm so sorry. There's no excuse for him. And Spike just walks right past them and is like, I'm going to the kitchen to grab some food, and then I'm going to tell you a story that'll make your balls shrink to the size of raisins. (laughs) It's like, okay. (laughs) So... Anna suggests that maybe Will, you know, shouldn't tell anyone about this. And he has this, like, very charming and endearing line where he's like, don't worry, I'll I'll only tell myself sometimes, and even then I might not believe it. He is, lets ah, her out. I'm like, <laughs> I love how we're like, I love when a man lacks confidence yeah. and self-assurance. It's so sexy. He's so vulnerable. I could kill him with my finger. <laughs> If there's anything that the British can do, it is truly, like, self-deprecating humor. So true. And he nails it. So true. I don't usually like it on screen, but this movie, um, I did appreciate the the British humor. Oh, yeah. Definitely. The ensemble, I think, is super strong in this movie. Yes. Well, they there was a mention of that under the casting on Wikipedia, and mm-hmm. they said that basically – casting that group of friends was like making like the perfectly adjusted like cabal of people and there had to be balancing personalities and yeah they did a very very good job that does remind me of the checkoff class we took in college and uh our teacher i remember she talked about how when casting checkoff it needs to feel like family Mm -hmm. and that was like very much the feeling that i got from this ensemble yeah for sure So Anna leaves the apartment and Spike comes back over with a little little spoon and a little plastic tin. And he's like, there's something wrong with this yogurt. And William says, well, perhaps because it's mayonnaise, Spike. And Spike's like, "Mm, so true, queen. I did not like that. I did not like to see that. (laughs) And then he suggests that they have a little movie night. What do they watch? One of Anna Scott's films, and it is literally, like, the shittiest (laughs) fucking clip. So they're in an art museum. It's a noir. Yeah, black and white. mm -hmm. She has a really bad blonde wig on. Fucking (laughs) awful. She has an awful wig in every one of her movies. 
yeah. um, in this movie. So they're <laughs> in this art gallery and they're looking at these like I if I remember correctly, they look like Jackson Pollock esque. Um, and he's like, "You're not smiling." And then he, they pass by another painting. He's like, "You're not smiling." Like, or like, "How can I make you smile?" And finally, I sit down on a bench, and he just goes, "Will you marry me?" And he, she like smiles. <laughs> That's the best they Oscars could do across the board. Well, I do think that her movies are supposed to be like kind of bad. Yeah, like I think canonically, her movies are supposed to be like eh, not so great. But, like, she's really beautiful and really hot, so, like, she can kind of get away with it yeah. is, like, the sense. But, yeah, it's it's pretty brutal. And then Spike is like, oh, I'm just in awe that someone in this world gets to kiss her. And William is like, yeah, she's pretty cool. Ooh, woo. Well, he does, he <laughs> does specifically use the word fabulous, which he uses in reference to her mm-hmm. pretty, like, I think two or three times throughout the movie. I'm like, why don't straight men use the word fabulous more? It's a great word. I've heard I've heard men like straight men say fabulous in like regards to something like, oh, I made dinner plans and like and they'd be like fabulous. Mm. Like fab. Yeah. Perf. <laughs> Perf. Yeah. Love. <laughs> I saw this thing the other day that was like increasingly masculine ways to say happy birthday to like to mm. another guy and it's like happy another rotation around the sun or like uh another year down right right bro. exactly <laughs> like uh many candles <laughs> many candles yeah yeah uh, oh god forbid they you know express an emotion <laughs> amazing day Re- remembering the day i met my best friend I love him. We are we're united souls. He's my twin flame. Shout out to the homie. Yeah, shout out to the brother. Um, that's our impression. Yeah, that's just a little bit we're working on. Men are men are really getting flamed in this yeah. episode, guys. Tell us we shouldn't so like, do stand up. You're fucking dirty. You don't clean your apartment. You won't talk about your emotions. Full of shit. You're smelly. You can't get over your heartbreak. Poor, bad business sense. <laughs> bad at your job. Can't focus. So the next day, we're back in the little travel bookshop. Mm-hmm. Some man comes in. He's like, do you have any Dickens? And William's like, well, no, we're exclusively a travel bookshop. And he's like, oh, okay. Do you have the new John Grisham thriller? And he's like, that's a novel too. Try again. (laughs) And (laughs) like, good for him. I would be so annoyed. Yeah. And then he asked if they have any Winnie the Pooh. So I love how he just, you know, jumps from Dickens to Grisham to Winnie the Pooh. Mm -hmm. But William then hands this customer off to Martin. So he doesn't have to deal with it. He looks out the window and a bus passes by with... Anna's face on it advertising her new film. Whoa. So back at the flat, Spike comes over. Pardon me. Spike comes down. The st- I don't know why I keep saying it as if I'm like on the phone with someone. I'm like, pardon me. Like this is going to get edited out. 
back at the flat, Spike comes down the stairs wearing an insane shaped swimsuit. Yeah. Which we find out later is like Williams. And I guess it's supposed to be like a scuba thing because but there's like a diaper flap it looks awful for sure yeah it's like it's when you think of mickey mouse and the the red pants that he wears and the two big buttons it's as if like if you took off those buttons a big flap would open to his genitalia (laughs) so william is like why the fuck are you wearing that and Spike tells him he ran out of clean clothes, so he was rooting around in his things and found this, and he thought it looked kind of spacey. I'm like, okay, Dada, like, <laughs> what What are you trying to do here? And then later on, they hang out on the roof, and Spike thinks there's something wrong with the goggles he's wearing. I guess it's like a whole fit off. And mm. William is like, yeah, they were prescription. Um, so I could see the fishes properly. And we find out that he used to scuba dive or travel. Like he seems to have been more adventurous in the past. And also after this, like out of the blue, kind of, he's like, any messages for me today? And Spike is like, oh yeah, there were a couple, but I can't remember them. (laughs) And he's like, um, so finally, Spike remembers that Anna called a few days ago, and he's like, yeah, it was weird. Um, she left a voicemail saying to call her at the Ritz, and then she gave herself a completely different name, which, like, I can't remember. So William calls the Ritz and explains to them that his roommate with a pea-sized brain took <laughs> a message from Anna, who provided an alternate name, but... He can't remember it. And out of the blue, as William is very vividly describing how stupid his roommate is, Spike suggests the name Flintstone. So William tries it out, and of course, the concierge puts him through to Anna. Mm. So while he's finally talking to Anna, he explains, like, oh, this is William, the guy from the bookshop. And when Anna mentions that it's been a few days, he assures her that he's never played anything cool in his life. Like, he was not just giving her the cold shoulder. Mm -hmm. His flatmate just never gave him the message. But they do agree for him to come by the Ritz later for tea. And William hangs up the phone and just says, like, classic to himself in disbelief that this is his life now. So William goes to the Ritz Hotel with some flowers in hand. Oh, my God. Very cute. And he and another man get off the elevator. And as he's walking to Anna's room, he's like, huh, because they are walking to the same place and the same door. Mm-hmm. And Anna's manager, Karen, opens the door, hands them both their press packages for Anna's a new movie. And she's like, I'm so sorry. We're running behind schedule. So William is led into the press room with all the other reporters. <laughs> and when asked what, the ma- what magazine he's from, he just like looks around and he's like, um, horse and hound. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. So – He's like, I, hi, I'm William Thacker. Um, Anna might be expecting me. 
And Karen's like, okay, I'll check that. I'll check that for you. And I thought she was not going to come back. Um, right, same. But William and the timeout reporter sit down and he's like, oh, who are the flowers for? Like, why did you bring flowers? And William's like, oh, yeah, they're for my sick grandma. She's at hospital down the road. Figured just kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> so Karen then calls for William and she's like, you have five minutes. Yeah, so William goes into the room with Anna. She's wearing this cute little, like, button-down trouser blazer set. Mm -hmm. Very professional. It's really cute. He gives her the flowers and apologizes for not calling her back. And she explains that the whole, like, fake name thing is a safety protocol. And she always picks a cartoon character. Last time she was Miss Bambi. And then a man who I guess is supposed to be, like, her London agent uh, he comes in, and so William and Anna have to, like, put on this farce that he is interviewing her mm -hmm. for Horse and Hound. So they sit down, and William tells her that the film is great uh, and wondered if they considered having more horses in it. And Anna's like, well, we would have liked to, but it was rather difficult since the movie was set in space. <laughs> So the agent leaves and Anna's like, I'm so sorry. This is my fault. Like, I thought that the press day would be over by now. And she explains the reason that she called him here was to apologize for kissing him. And she just wanted to make sure that he was fine about it. Anna. Yeah. Come Let's on. Be, be so for real, Anna. <laughs> I'm just like so sorry for kissing you. Like, so sorry. Yeah, I wish I, I didn't sure do that. good. And he's like, yeah, totally. I'm totally cool. Don't he's, worry. Don't course, worry about it. Of course, a little stunned, a little bit disappointed, but says he's fine. And when the agent comes back in, he is like, oh, Anna is also, you know, happy to talk about her new movie that she's shooting later this summer. And William is like, oh, are there any horses in it? Or, or hounds, for that matter. Our readers love both of them. And she says that it takes place in a submarine. <laughs> and William is like, ah, yes. But if there were horses in it, would you be riding them or would you get a stunt double? So the agent leaves again. And William apologizes for being a moron and says that this is the kind of thing that happens in dreams. But good dreams. In fact, it's a dream to see her again. This man played an Oompa Loompa not that long ago. Yeah. The range. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Anna asks what happens next in the dream. And William says he changed his personality and walk over and kiss her. <gasps> but oh he then very like slowly, like you can see him thinking it over in his head, starts to get up when the man – who's in the room prior, comes in again and tells him, your time is up. Did you get what you wanted? William says nearly. And they're like, okay, just one last question. So they leave again and William and uh, Anna are alone. And he asks her if she's busy tonight. And she says yes. And their time <laughs> ends. Yeah, pretty, pretty big L. Yeah. <laughs> their time ends and – uh, the collector, the 
wrangler, the agent, the agent yeah. comes in with another reporter. Anna and William shake hands, and Anna says, it was nice to meet him. Surreal, but nice. Aww. And he's like, you are Horse and Hound's favorite actress, tied with black beauty. <laughs> At the door, the timeout reporter asks how Anna was, and William's like, oh, yeah, fabulous. And Again, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, where are your grandmother's flowers? And William's like, oh, yeah, she took them, bitch. <laughs> So Karen then grabs William and says, follow me, like we can rush through the others, like the other stars of the movie. He's like, oh, Jesus Christ. So he has to go to all of these actors and ask them questions about a movie he has not seen. And he's trying to be vague and like Mm. ask general questions and just comes out so wrong he talks to a young Misha Barton and he's yes. He's like, how was it like acting in this film like compared to others? And she's like, I've been in 23 films. Yeah. I'm like, okay, Marissa Cooper. <laughs> Very, you know, Dakota Fanning coded mm-hmm. child actor character. And he's like, oh, what's the what's your favorite film to work in? And she's like, well, my favorite was getting to work with Leo. <laughs> After all of these botched interviews, Karen asks William for a minute and leads him to a private room with Anna. Oh, my God. Yeah, we see Anna's hair is down. You know, her tie has been loosened. The jacket is off. And she tells him that she actually canceled her plans for tonight. She told them that she needed to spend some time with Britain's premier equestrian journalist. So William is thrilled to get to spend this evening with her until he literally says shittity brickety, which truly only Hugh Grant could pull that line off in a charming way. He's like, oh, shittity brickety. It's my sister's birthday and we're we're supposed to be having dinner. And she's like, oh, that's fine. He's like, I'm sure I can get out of it. And she's like, no, it's fine. Like, I'll be your date if that's okay with you. Wow. Whoa. Big. I'll meet your whole crew if that's okay with you. Mm-hmm. And William is in shock and says, absolutely. Um, before the party, Bella and Max talk about how William is bringing a date tonight, which they call a miracle. And the doorbell rings. Max opens it for William and Anna in a rush because the food is burning. It's like chaotic. So he doesn't notice who is with William. Then they go inside and meet Bella, and they both realize, like, oh, my God, you're Anna Scott. But Max, after the initial shock, is, like, pretty chill about it. They're both pretty calm. And William's eclectic sister, Honey, comes in next. (laughs) She does not have the same demeanor. And Max Max does try to warn her at the door what she's going to step into, but she rushes right in and says, holy fuck. And she's like, this is one of those moments in life when it's possible you can be genuinely cool and I'm going to fail 100%. It's so endearing, like so sweet and charming. I love Honey. I think she's such a fun character. She really is. But I was like, at this point, not sure if they were going to go with like creepy or, Mm. or kooky. But they, I like what they did. Um, yeah. 
And she tells Anna that she adores her. She's the most beautiful woman in the world. And more importantly, she has genuinely believed for some time that they could be best friends. And she's like, um, what do you think? What do you think about that? So Anna like laughs kind of uncomfortably, but she's like, lucky me. <laughs> and actually gives Honey her birthday gift. And Honey's like, oh my gosh, we're best friends already. Like, oh, you should marry Will. He's a really nice guy. And then we can be sisters. And Anna says she'll think about it. And the last to arrive is Bernie, who does not recognize Anna at all. So later on, Max and Will are like off to the side pouring some wine or something. And he is asking if he slept with Anna and Will refuses to answer like a gentleman. Meanwhile, Bernie is chatting with Anna and is like, oh, what do you do? And she says that she's an actress. Like, what do you do? And he's in the stock market. And he's like, oh, you know, but I, I did some amateur acting back in my day, mm -hmm. the, you know, community theater, a little something over here. But, you know, it's a tough job. And God, the wages, awful. You know, I have friends from uni who are actors and they're barely scraping by on 8K a year doing acting. Oh, God. And she's like, yeah, totally. <laughs> and she says that she mostly works in film and he's like, Oh, like, what's the pay like in film? Would you get paid for your last movie? And she's like, 15 million. He's like, oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> so just before they all sit down for dinner, Anna excuses herself to go to the restroom. And everybody quickly, like, interrogates Will. Like, how the fuck do you have Anna Scott here? And Bernie finally realizes who she is and what an absolute ass he just made of himself yeah. in front of her. Later on, they have dinner and Anna watches everyone as they laugh and Honey opens presents and they just enjoy each other's company. It's a very wholesome time. And Max says having her here confirms that the rest of them are a bunch of underachievers and he's going to give the last brownie to the saddest act here. So William goes first and says that would be Bernie. Bernie says that he works in a job he doesn't understand. Everyone else gets promoted above him. He hasn't had a girlfriend since puberty. Nobody fancies him. And if he gets fatter, nobody will. Go over to Honey and she's like, well, I fancy you. Or I did before you got so fat. And they're like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> but Max says he does still make a lot of money. Meanwhile, Honey makes nothing working in London's worst record store. And Honey is like, yeah, my hair looks like feathers. I have funny, googly eyes, and I'm attracted to cruel men. Oof. And nobody will marry me because my boobs have started shrinking. But Bella is like, on the other hand, you are best friends with Anna Scott. <laughs> Most of your limbs work which Bella is in a wheelchair, and she's given up on smoking, her favorite thing. And this is actually pretty heartbreaking, she says. Yeah. And the truth is we can't have a baby, and you can tell that she's holding back tears as she looks at Max and does say, we're lucky in many ways, but surely that's worth a brownie. Yeah, I thought this moment was so well done. It's I like agree. it's obviously a, a a tone shift, but not in a way where it's like, 
ooh, like, no, it's awkward and things are really sad. It's just, like, a very earnest moment between friends. Mm -hmm. And, like, the way that they look at each other, I really, really, really loved Bella and Max's dynamic. Oh, yeah. They're they're the best friend-married couple that I've ever seen in any movie. And also – this whole moment where they're kind of like having a pity party, it doesn't feel like they're uh, just complaining about these benign things in their lives. So they're like talking about things that really bother them and are on their mind, but with people who love them and who mm-hmm. like support them. And they're the whole point of this is actually being like, oh, you think you have it bad, but like, Look, we're all struggling with different yeah, – they're commiserating right, together. Right, yeah. And it's so, like, refreshing and it felt so genuinely, like, nice. And to hear them, like, just air out these things that have been pent up, um, mm-hmm. I thought it was, like, such a beautiful display of friendship. Yeah, I agree. I think the writing is so strong mm-hmm. in this scene. I mean, really in the whole movie, but, like, this is such a standout scene for me. Yeah, absolutely. And after this, like – big you know weight is like lifted off her shoulder by telling her closest confidants about Mm -hmm. their struggle to have a kid max her husband i don't know if we mentioned that but her husband Mm -hmm. um they're silent for a moment and then he says but you know look at william he's very unsuccessful professionally (laughs) divorced Used to be handsome, and he won't hear from Anna again when she hears his school nickname was Floppy because of his hair. And William is like, well, at least I get the brownie. But then Anna chimes in and says, well, what about me? And they're like, what do you mean? She's like, well, don't I at least deserve a shot at the brownie? And she says that she's been on a diet since she was 19, which basically means that she's been hungry for a decade. She's had a series of bad boyfriends, one of whom hit her. And every time she gets her heart broken, the papers report on it like it's entertainment. And it's taken two painful operations to get her looking like this. And she points to like her chin and her nose. And she says quite somberly that one day, not long from now, her looks will go. They'll discover that she can't act. And she will become a sad middle-aged woman who looks a bit like someone who was famous for a while. Mm, That does sound sad. Yeah. So they are all kind of like stunned and silent for a moment before Max goes, yeah, nice try, gorgeous. You're not fooling anyone. And they all laugh together. And William's like, yeah, that was a pathetic effort to win the brownie. And Anna like smiles and laughs with the rest of them. So again, it's, you know, they're kind of airing out their, you know, worst fears or their their biggest secrets or the things they don't like about themselves yeah. in, like, a really cathartic way but still finding, like, levity and humor in it, which I just – I really loved. No, it was a really sweet scene. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. At the end of the night, Anna thanks Max and Bella for the lovely evening, and Honey tells Anna – to call if she ever wants to go shopping because she knows a lot of cheap places, not that you need to shop at a cheap place. (laughs) And she kind of leaves it at that. And Anna tells her she's her style guru and Honey gives her a hug. So very sweet. Mm -hmm. Anna and William leave and everyone just starts screaming in excitement. They're like, I can't believe it. 
And obviously they've just stepped out so they can hear them out on the street. And William is like, oh, they always do that when I leave the house. Like, don't worry about it. So as they walk down the street, Anna asks why Bella is in a wheelchair. And Will explains that she was in an accident 18 months ago. And like as far as the kids thing, it didn't seem like they were trying before the accident. Of He's so, like, as fate would have it. Yeah. Pretty devastating. Mm-hmm. So after a bit of silence, as they continue to walk, Will asks Anna if she'd like to go back to his place because it's just around the corner. And she says that it's too complicated. And he's like, that's totally fine. But then she asks if he's busy tomorrow. You know, she was supposed to leave tomorrow, but maybe not anymore. Hmm. So as they continue walking down this beautiful street with all these beautiful little townhouses, they pass by this little garden. And he explains that all these neighborhoods have their own private communal gardens. And Anna decides that she wants to go in. A rebel. He's like, well, no, like, it's just for the residents. And she's like, do you let rules like that stop you? And he's like, of course not. Never. (laughs) So he tries to, like, clumsily climb over the fence. But he slips and says, whoopsie daisies. And Anna starts laughing at him. For saying that, she's like, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody has said whoopsie daisies, you know, in 50 years. And even then, it was just little girls with, like, ringlet curls. <laughs> and he tries to climb and slips again and again says whoopsie daisies. And she starts laughing even harder, that, like, beautiful, loud, booming, enigmatic Julia Roberts laugh. And he's like, it's a, it's a very serious disease. Don't worry. I'm taking pills and I'm having injections <laughs> to stop saying whoopsie daisies. So Anna then goes to climb the fence herself and just makes it over effortlessly. Doesn't even bother her. And she's like, come on, Flopsy. (sighs) Uh, And we did read that Anna actually never says Will's name through the entire movie, which is pretty wild. Crazy. So Will finally, like, awkwardly makes it over the fence and asks what in this garden could make that whole ordeal worthwhile. And Anna kisses him. Again, she's doing, like, all the pursuing. He's being wooed and swept off his feet. Yeah. I think he's very modest, too, because he feels like, why would this woman reciprocate any of his advances? So Mm -hmm. it is on her onus to communicate that she wants to to kiss or do anything he's just like the he's just like yn in all of the wattpad fan fictions where it's (laughs) like i'm sitting there with a messy bun and then harry styles picks me out of the crowd because i'm like reading at the concert and i'm so different (laughs) so after the kiss will is just you know in awe of her and says nice garden And we have this really sweet montage of them walking through the garden and talking and they find this bench and engraved on it is for June who loved this garden from Joseph who always sat beside her. And I love the idea of having like an engraving on a bench or like a dedication on a bench. I think it's so like sweet and romantic, even if it's not like for romantic reasons, like if it's for a parent or whoever, I think it's the bench is the elite Mm-hmm. like remembrance thingy yes yeah so 
Anna says that some people do spend their whole lives together and she sits down and like we have this kind of aerial shot as we see her sitting on the bench and Will kind of just like walking away before she asks him to come and sit with her and he does walk over and and sits with her on the bench. In the morning, Will rushes downstairs frantically looking for his glasses because he's going to the cinema (laughs) and – Christina writes, why are there so many shots of Spike's dirty feet? There are. We see the bottom of his feet so many times and they're always gross. Yeah. But he's like, "Uh, I don't have time for this. I have to go cut to the movie theater where Anna's eating popcorn and we see him next to her wearing his prescription scuba goggles. (laughs) That was so cute. Such a fun little touch. It's like, I can't miss the movie. (laughs) So after the movie, they go out to lunch and Anna is asking Will about his divorce. And he says that she's the one who left him and it's because she saw right through him. And I was intrigued by this. I thought we were going to get a little bit more about his divorce, but we Mm -hmm. actually never do. No, not at all. But I do have to wonder, because we did also read that the first cut of this movie was, like, three hours long. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there must have been a little more development about kind of, like, his intimacy issues after his divorce and his abandonment issues or his trust issues because she, like, clearly cheated on him. So... I just felt like we were missing that kind of layer because yeah. everyone in this movie feels so real and well fleshed out, except that little detail about Will. I would have loved just a little bit of development on it. You know what I often feel like? I feel like the main character is the most boring person Yeah, in the movie. Yeah. But I, I definitely hear what you're saying, and I think the only dynamic – movement we really get from will is spoiler alert in the end when they end up together and he decides to kind of fight for her and and goes back and is like yeah i want to be with you too Mm -hmm. otherwise he's a pretty passive person in his life and yeah i did find their lack of of conversation interesting like they they kind of um have a uh oh it's like, what word is it? They kind of have an unspoken bond. Yes, yeah, <laughs> definitely. So this conversation gets interrupted because they overhear this nearby table of men talking about how, like, oh, Anna Scott's last movie was no good, but, you know, she's hot, so, like, I'll watch anything that she's in. And and then they go on about how, like, she probably has a drug problem and then eventually start comparing her to sex workers, but in, like, a very derogatory It's pretty awful. Way. Like, it's yeah. pretty gross. Yeah, it's it's really awful. So Will decides to go up to the men and interrupt them and says, hey, th- like, that's a real person that you're talking about who I think deserves a little more respect mm-hmm. than that. And one of them just tells him to sod off. And it's like, oh, you heard dad or something. So Anna comes over and just pulls Will away. And he apologizes and she's like, no, like, I love that you tried. And if it wasn't for the time, I would have done the same thing. But she's like, actually, you know what? And she decides to go over to the men herself and they are all stunned. And she's like, I'm so sorry for my friend here. He's very sensitive. And like the the most offensive man in the group 
stands up in like horror to apologize to her. And she's like, you know what? Leave it. I'm sure you didn't mean anything. I'm sure it was just friendly banter. I'm sure you all have dicks the size of peanuts. Enjoy your lunch. Mm, and off they go. Burn. Mm-hmm. So later on, Anna is like, I shouldn't have done that. Like, I'm rash and stupid. What am I doing with you? Just what everyone wants to hear. Right. And like, that's so complimentary. Thank you. And William is like, I don't know. And they arrive at her hotel. And after that whole back and forth about she doesn't know what she's doing, she's like, so do you want to come up? <laughs> and I was like, I, like, I'm just her. She's so hot and cold. But clearly so drawn to him. Oh, obviously. But like would never yeah. admit it. But like just acts like it's a known fact. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Um, <laughs> and he's like, well, there are a lot of reasons why I shouldn't, but yes. <laughs> and she asks for five minutes and heads inside before him. So this next scene is crazy. Yeah. Um, as a first, I'm curious as a first time viewer, did you have any inklings of the little twist we're about to see? No. Yeah. No, not at all. Because I was like, why? Like, I was just like, why? Yeah. Because I hate it. It sucks. I hate it. Cause, yeah. Because we did not – well, just say it and then I'll, I'll say what I'll – Yes, yeah. So William goes up to her room and, like, she opens the door and he, like, kisses her on the cheek and he's like, oh, like, it feels so good to finally be able to do that. Because obviously they're not doing, like, PDA in public. She's right. a public figure. Of course. But Anna just says, you have to go. And he's confused. And she says, well, my boyfriend, yeah, who was in America, is now in the other room. Mm-hmm. And you may already be reeling from the shock of like, oh, my God, she's had a boyfriend the whole time. But then you're going to be even more shocked because who walks out of the fucking bathroom? <laughs> the ugly Alec- Baldwin. No. <laughs> Alec Baldwin? It is. It's Alec, right? It's not yeah. the other one. No, no, it is Alec. Okay. So insane. That is (laughs) literally crazy because there could have been something else that hindered her. Like her, I don't know, her feelings. Like it didn't need to be a physical person. No, I I hate it. I I mean, just in general, I'm not like a fan of you know cheating storylines. Yeah. Um weird. But I'm just like, why did this need to be the obstacle? Because now I don't like Anna anymore. Like, I don't I don't dislike her, but I'm just like, we could have done so many other things that would, would yeah. have been more creative, especially because the route that they do take with this boyfriend is like, oh, he's just like a shitty, like, bad dude. So it doesn't matter, like, if mm-hmm. she's, you know, if there's infidelity because, like, he sucks. And that's why, like, our main characters should be together. I don't like when movies use, like, a bad partner to get us to root for the main couple. I don't think she's necessarily – how do I say this? I mean, I think cheating is one thing. It just fell out of place in the story. Yeah. But I, I also agree. think that she – like, our endearing characters will – she is not an endearing character. Yes. Um, and you can tell, too, because she has a, a hot temper. She's very brash mm-hmm. and not very forthright uh, or, like, 
doesn't seem to be she's nice like of like she is fun to get along with mm-hmm. but she's not very um caring and she can be like quite needy like like i just don't think that she was written as a likable person at all yeah but i especially just thought this plot point was kind of besides the point yeah cuz she's already apprehensive about their relationship with him yeah, there could have been so many other complications to throw in. Right. And, I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I guess since it is, like, I don't know. The movie is long. Like, it's a two-hour movie. Mm-hmm. If we really wanted this to be a 90-minute movie. Cut um, that. Cut that plot point. Cut this, cut this plot point and just have it, like, oh, she has to, like, now she has to leave and go right. shoot a new movie, and then she comes back, and we just go right to the part where, like, the photos have been leaked, and she's in a crisis, and she needs – like, you know, we could have skipped this whole portion where they're broken up again for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care but, about it. <laughs> yeah. So I this, this is, like, the kind of major flaw in the movie for me is mm-hmm. this storyline, because otherwise I love, like, so many things about it, but the reason that it's never quite reached my, like – rom-com top tier yeah is literally because of this yeah it just felt like i was watching a different movie too mm-hmm. it was weird but uh yeah yeah so now we have alec baldwin in the mix playing jeff king and he's like oh who is this and will is like a uh, room service and jeff is like oh amazing uh could i get some really cold still water and, like, makes a joke about it being illegal to serve water in the UK that's below room temperature, which <laughs> is, like, a, a very well-known thing in Europe that, like, you just can't really find cold water anywhere. It's all it room temperature. It is so <laughs> fucking – I will never forget I took a business trip once to Germany and yeah. I was so thirsty for just mm-hmm. some flat cold water. And I couldn't get – yeah, I couldn't get any ice, like, flat water. Like, I would go to uh, my hotel at the end of the day and be like, I am so thirsty. And I don't know if I just didn't want to drink the tap because it tasted different or if it was, like, I was worried about well water. Like, I don't really remember. But I just, like, didn't feel comfortable with it. Like, I was – worried about drinking it and when i tell you i emptied out the like mini bar area which didn't have like a ton of liquor it was like sparkling water and i just wanted some flat fucking water to chug when i was thirsty in the middle of the night but all i had was like a bubbly room temple water i was going insane yeah yeah there's just you can't get just ice water as a default no. in Europe, they just don't do it there. <laughs> no. And they're like, and you have to pay for it too. Like, oh, did you yeah. want tap water? $5. Yeah. Uh, what I did learn fairly recently is if you want free water in like France, instead of ordering like a bottle of water, like if you're at a restaurant, instead of ordering a bottle of water, you have to ask for like a carafe of water and then they will mm, bring you. Because that's the tap. They put the yes. tap in the carafe. Mm. Exactly. Ah, the French, always trying to trick you and bamboozle you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I know that, like, um, there's a lot of, you know, cultures in Asia as well where, like, they don't drink ice water because it's thought to, like, not be good for you, that you'll get sick from drinking 
ice water. Um, but here in here in North America, yeah, we like our pro, we like our ice waters ice water. and our, our sweaty <laughs> condensated glasses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, after that little joke, he's then like, oh, by the way, could you adios these dirty dishes and take the trash with you? And how degrading. Yeah, he like awkwardly goes over to the old room service plates and Anna's like, no, 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 like, honey, I I don't think that's his job. And Jeff is like, oh, I'm so sorry, dude. Like, what's your name? And he's like, uh, Bernie. And Jeff thanks him and slips him a little cash tip. He then, while this man is still in the room, grabs Anna by the waist and just starts kissing her. And is like, so was this a a good surprise or a nasty surprise? And she's like, a good surprise. And he's like, I know. And she's lying. What are you going to order? And she's like, oh, I, I haven't decided. And he's like, well, don't overdo it. Because I don't want people saying, there's that famous actor with the big fat girlfriend. And I'm like, you can stop hitting me over the head with it. Right. Right. Like, we get it. He sucks. Yeah. He's obnoxious and gross. We get it. Yeah. So he goes into the other room and Anna apologizes to Will and says that she doesn't know what to say. And he says, well, I I think that goodbye is traditional. And Will goes home, goggles in hand, gets on a bus with Anna's face on it. How sad. Yeah. And another, I will say another criticism that I do have of this movie is that the music choices are so literal. Yeah. Like the lyrics that they pick, I'm like, you don't. Show don't tell. You don't need to tell me with the lyrics of the songs what I'm supposed to be feeling it at every very given like, moment. Yeah. I did like the Shania Twain song at the end when the credits yeah, were rolling. Like there are good songs, but I'm like, if you're gonna pick a song that's like that, like so well known and the lyrics are so literal, maybe let's do an instrumental. Yeah. Cause the like the the sonically, the so- the songs are fitting the tone of the scene. But the lyrics, like especially <laughs> later on, they play "Ain't No Sunshine" oh, when she's my gone, yeah. and I was like, "No shit." <laughs> <laughs> so that is one. And you're like, "Huh, that's so weird." I thought there was sunshine. Yeah, as he's walking in the snow, I'm like, "All right, we got it. I got it." That is one little criticism that I have. Yeah, but I do like a lot of the music that they picked. So, well, because they're popular songs, I. Mm-hmm. Definitely feel like there is a big, uh, especially in these like movies that are supposed to do well in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can get people talking if you include a well-known song. Right. Like that can be a big, yeah. like, hey, attention grab. Yeah. So, totally. moving right along, Will goes to watch Anna's new movie alone, and Spike tries to get Will to open up to him. And says there's this girl he can't have, and it's like he's in with a draw. Yeah, specifically from, I think he says, love heroin, which again is kind of a cheesy line, but Hugh Grant is making it work. Well, yeah, he's like very, uh, he's very introspective, and Mm -hmm. he clearly chooses his words very carefully, 
Yeah. The way he expresses himself is so like he's just has this massive internal life, it feels like. Yeah. Another time, Will goes to dinner with his friends and he's like, Yeah, I didn't know she had a boyfriend. Apparently, everyone else knew. Yeah. And they didn't say anything. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> and Will is like, Well, now my life is ruined because I don't read Hello magazine. And, <laughs> and this is why I spend all the live long day <laughs> on the internet staying up to date staying on, on the freaking pulse <laughs> so I don't meet someone who's famous, mm-hmm. fall in love, and then realize they have a significant other. Exactly. Yeah. If you stay stay ready so you don't have to get ready. <laughs> God. <laughs> the platitudes are killing me. My coworker was on the phone the other day and was like, sometimes when you're in like service, you say things that really don't make a lick of sense. Mm. And he just goes like <laughs> I don't know what the fuck they were talking about. I guess it was going on vacation. And he's like, yeah, it's like, are you going on vacation or are your watches going on vacation? And we could just like me and another colleague like overheard him. We're just like bust out laughing. Like, like you just have to shoot the shit with people sometimes. But that line like really took the cake that day. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Am I right, lady? Yeah, it's like, uh, duh. <laughs> so, yeah, he's just uh, lamenting his his bad hand in life. And Max says this was always a no-win situation, but he does know a nice girl from work named Tessa he could set him up with. She may have frizzy hair, but the word is she kisses like a nympho. Dear Lord. Really, the worst person you could be set mm-hmm. up with. Yeah. So Tessa comes over to Max and Bella's to meet Will. Like, it's clearly not the match from the jump. No. We then see this montage of him being set up with various women. And one of them actually seems to go quite well. Like, she's a nice girl. She's pretty. They have a little, like, banter together. And at the end of the night, they're like, oh, it was really nice to meet you. Like, I'd love to see you again, whatever. She leaves and Will sits down on the couch with Max and Bella and they're like, well, what'd you think? And he says that she was perfect, but he thinks that Bella and Max have forgotten how unusual it is that they both found someone that they love who loves them back. Mm. And he says that apart from Anna, he's only loved two girls, one of which, yeah. A jaw dropped. I know. (laughs) One of which left him right after getting married, and the other one went off and married his best friend. Aww. So Bella. And I also, I love Bella as a character. I think she's, like, so cool. She's, like, really dry and, like, has a kind of cutting sense of humor, but also, like, is clearly very caring and loving. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And she she's very, like, charming and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the striking dark hair. Mm-hmm. loved totally and i love their the relationship yeah so bella says that she does still love him though he's like yes but in a really depressingly asexual way <laughs> and belly is like well to tell the truth i never really fancied you that much you know you, obviously you're you're good looking and funny and a nice guy but 
like the way you would like kiss my neck like bleh, it just wasn't <laughs> and they like all laugh about it which I, I i thought it was sweet that they can you know still have that that dynamic and laugh about it right right they must have had a really clean break because yeah i can't imagine her dating him and then dating his best friend and that being right. like yeah all good bud yeah no worries no <laughs> so they offer to let him stay over and will agrees he's like yeah all that's waiting for me at home is spike so mm -hmm. might as well and at the end of the night will is on the couch and he watches as like max just lovingly picks bella up out of her wheelchair and brings her upstairs to bed and they're like chatting and laughing with each other as they go up the stairs it's just this like really sweet beautiful intimate moment between the two of them mm -hmm. and yeah i truly can't say enough how much i love bella and max's relationship yeah it's really sweet in the morning, Will passes by newsstands with articles on them, which he's, again, not paying attention to, so he doesn't know mm -hmm. anything. Um, but it actually has Anna Scott on the front, and it talks about how nude photos of her have resurfaced. And when Will gets back home, who shows up at his doorstep but Anna? Wow. And she tells him that the photos were taken years ago. She was poor and she needed to make money. But to make it worse, it turns out that someone was filming the photo shoot. So now it looks like a porn film. And she's like, I didn't know where to go. I know it's been months. And he's like, this is the place. And she's like, thank you. Yeah. He's like, this is the place, babe. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I know you. you scorned me. You – Made me like you cucked me, but like yeah, you made I got me a you. cuckold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and she says she's only here for two days, and she starts like spiraling about the photos, and he just kind of takes control, and he's like, "We will sort it out." Like, do you want a tea? Do you want a bath? And she's like, "A bath <sighs> would be great." And I'm like. Where's my bath? Where's yeah. my tea? <laughs> Where's my beautiful British man to draw me a bath and make my tea? Yeah, what the frick? Yeah. So, of course, Spike gets home right around this time, tabloid in hands, looking at the photos of Anna Scott. He's a nasty little man. He then goes into the bathroom to pee, and Anna is just, like, very calmly sitting in the bathtub and is like, you must be Spike. And he just kind of, like, zips his pants back up and shuffles out of the bathroom to, like, breathe for a second before opening the door again and looking at her. And he's like, sorry, just had to check that that was real. And then goes back outside. And I think he's like, yes, or like, thank you, God, or something like that. So later on, Anna apologizes for what happened with Jeff, and she tells him they're not together anymore. Mm. And she asks if he's dating anyone, and he's like, no. And she says she's thought about him. But anytime she's tried to be with a normal person, it has been a disaster. Alexa, play Peace by Taylor Swift, because that's what I was thinking about the whole time. Peace? Have you heard that song? It's from Folklore. And it's a song that she wrote like for Joe Alwyn when they were together. And basically it was like, 
you know, her life is is crazy. And there's always going to be these things that are out of her mm-hmm. control. Like she can't control if there's like a paparazzi guy with a long lens camera. She can't control if like fans are going to show up here or there. Like there's always going to be craziness around her life. But is the stuff that she can control enough to still be with her? No. Clearly. But so like the, the lyrics in the songs so are like, sad. would it... It's like, would it be enough if I could never give you peace? Like, I'll give you all these other parts of me, give you my wild, give you a child, give you the silence that only comes when two people understand each other. Family that I chose now that I see your brother as my brother, is it enough? Like, those are the lyrics of the song. So that dynamic made me think so much about this couple. Damn. Where it's like... Imagine. Could it be enough I could never give you peace? Like, that's crazy. Whenever I think about Taylor Swift's songs, I think about... um, Oh, I don't even remember the name, but there's like a lyric. It, did we cover – we covered 1989. Yeah. It might have been from 1989, but she says like that's why – oh, I think it's the one about the guy from Bleachers dating Lena Dunham. And oh, you are in, in love. love. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like that's why I've spent my tr- my whole life trying to figure out what it is, like talking about Like how love. to put it into words. Right, yeah. right. How to put it into words. And I just think about how, like, she is in her 30s and she hasn't mm-hmm. gotten married yet. And maybe she will get married to her current boyfriend. But, like, I'm sure that's something that must weigh on her as someone who loves love so much. I'm I'm so intrigued to see what this new album is going to be. Right. Joe, you might have to watch your back because I think <laughs> she's coming for blood. For your fucking neck. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But I think there's also going to be some stuff about Maddie Healy in there, too. Mm. I also have a theory that they were supposed to collaborate on this album, but that kind of got shot to hell after, you know, that ended. Right. Um, And then there's probably going to be a little bit about, like, the beginnings of her relationship with Travis, but she has been working on this, like, this album for two years. Right, So it's going to span, like, quite a large chunk of of her life. Damn. I'm, like, intrigued now. Um, I guess with that being (laughs) said. Should we get back to the movie? Let's dig back in. (laughs) Later on, Anna apologizes to Will for what happened with Jeff, and she tells him they're not together anymore. And she asks if he's dating anyone. He's like, no. And she's like, I've thought about you, but anytime I've tried to be with a normal person, it's been a disaster. Oh, that's when we started talking about peace. Yes. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) And Will is still trying to keep her at arm's length and changes the subject to the new film she's shooting soon. And he's like, oh, I can, you know, run your lines with you if you want. And I'm like, the hottest thing you can say to an actor. Wow. Yeah, truly. (laughs) So they go to his little rooftop and Anna is practicing her lines, but she keeps messing up. There's a lot of, like, jargon in it. She's playing, like, an officer that has to save the world from, like, nuclear disaster or, like, an incoming yeah. comet or some- <laughs> who knows. I don't- nobody knows. Nobody cares. Yeah. So she asks what he thinks about, you know, the script. And he's like, it- it's it's gripping, you know? It's it's not it's not Jane Austen or Henry James, but, you know, it's it's gripping. And she's like, oh, do you think I should do something like Henry James instead? And he says, I think you would be brilliant in Henry James. He's like, let me be your agent. Yeah. He's (laughs) like, get me on the phone. I will get you a script in an hour. 
Later on, we're in the kitchen and Anna points out the Chagall print and turns out they both love Chagall and they're like the colors. Oh my God. The vague sense of wonder. The shapes. Yeah, yeah. The shapes. <laughs> um, and Anna is like, I think it looks like how love should feel floating through a dark sky. And Will is like, yes, with a goat playing violin. And she says, of course. So, wow, they both love the same art. They love Ah. the same books. So later on, they're both sitting on adjacent couches. And Anna sneaks some glances over at Will while he's reading the paper. And again, we see the bottom of his feet. There's a lot of feet shots, a lot of foot shots in this movie. And she's like, you have big feet. You know what they say about men with big feet. He's like, no, not really. What do they say? And she says, <laughs> large shoes. And he has a little giggle. <laughs> so in the kitchen, Anna is, you know, she's talking about the the whole photo scandal and says that the irony is that she's so fierce about her nudity clauses and her contracts now. Will has never heard of a nudity clause, so she recites, like, specific lines and says that she has full approval over any potential stunt bottoms. And Will asks if people tend to cast stunt bottoms that look better than their own. And she's like, well, yeah, I would. And I'm like, same. Why not? (laughs) You, like, see someone from the front and the side, (laughs) and then on the back, they just look totally different. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I want Nicole to play – Nicole Kidman to play my stunt bottom. And they're like, (laughs) so she's like six feet tall. And I'm like, I don't care. Doesn't matter. An optical illusion will make it work. (laughs) Who would you get to play um, your stunt bottom? Oh, my God. I'm trying to think. Who has a good one but like could pass for me? I think I know who I would pick. Who would you pick? Um, I think Florence Pugh. Mm, I think we have like a yeah. similar body similar shape. build yeah. yeah yeah also I saw her um in Sloppenheimer and I'm like <laughs> confirmed would yeah. look good <laughs> yeah I'm trying to think who has like a similar body type to me you know who I I feel like as I get older I start looking more and more like this is not like I'm so full of myself but I have been told this by multiple people um is Jemima Kirk Jessa from Girls. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't used to get it. Like, I used to get it a little bit when Girls was actually airing. Mm-hmm. But as of late, I have gotten more and more like, oh, you look like Jessa from Girls. I think because I'm, like, now a similar age <laughs> to yeah. what she was while she was on Girls. I um, was thinking, like, you look very similar to Brace Dallas Howard. Like, if you dyed your hair red, you both have, like, big lips and, like, very pronounced noses. I feel like she has more of like a slopey kind of like button. Oh, does nose. she? I think so. I haven't Let me seen look her at a in picture a of Bryce Dallas Howard. She also has like big, beautiful eyes. Oh, she See, does have a different nose. She does have a different yeah. nose. I don't feel like our faces look that similar. You know what? Maybe I'm thinking just because she usually wears a cat eye and it reminds mm. me of you <laughs> wearing a cat eye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the celebrity lookalikes that I get the most often are like Lily Reinhardt. Yes, yes. And Jemima McCurk. I did get this one girl from another Netflix show. Her name is like Odessa something, I think. 
I don't know how to pronounce her name, but I don't think I look like her. But I've gotten that on TikTok before. People are like, "Oh my god, you Odessa as like a Zion." Yeah. Okay, interesting. I see it more from. I don't know. Like I can kind of see it, but to me, not really. Yeah, I think she's on like Grand Army or something like that. But. Yeah, those are probably the ones that I get the most often. I feel like you look very similar, but her features are, like, bigger. Yeah. 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 That's what they always say, like, actors have um, more pronounced features. Mm -hmm. Like, a really, like, almost, like, big pronounced, like, faces. And whereas models have, like, bird, like, like, discreet Mm -hmm. faces, but very long figures. Yeah, definitely. Every time I see a picture of Phoebe Bridgers, I always think about how similar you two look. Me and Phoebe. That's yeah. such a compliment. When yeah. I had blonde hair, people said that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have very similar like facial structure and features. If I ever see her in person, I'll have to be like, hey, I'm I twin. thought we'd always be best friends. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought for quite some time now that you and I could be best friends. <laughs> yes. You should you should marry my brother. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Um, good talk. Uh, so, anyways, back to the the stunt bottom situation. Yes. Will ponders what like a wild job it would be to be Mel Gibson's bottom, and Anna's like, "Oh no, Mel does his own ass work. Why wouldn't he?" I'm like, wow, a time when people thought Mel Gibson was hot. <laughs> yeah, that's really crazy to me. Yeah. So that night, Will walks Anna to his bedroom. And she says, it's been a good day, which was unexpected. And Anna kisses him on the cheek and says good night, then heads into his room. And Will actually sleeps on the sofa like a gentleman. Mm-hmm. He decides to get up at one point in the night, but then he's like, no. And then he hears the creaking of the stairs. <gasps> but it's Spike. Boo. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't want to interfere, but Anna is recently single and in his house and like in your house, like, and you get on very well. So isn't this a nice, a nice opportunity to slip her one? <laughs> like, and Willis like, fuck, like she's in a crisis. And Spike is like, well, then can I have a go? And Will's like, go back to bed. Yeah. Then he hears the stairs creaking again, and he thinks it's Spike, and he's like, saw it off. But and she's like, okay, sorry. Yeah, shit. <laughs> and then he's like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm thrilled <laughs> to see you. <laughs> so Anna smiles, and Will goes up and gently kisses her. It's like very intimate. Mm-hmm. She like closes her eyes. Yeah. He slips off her robe, and they're just very, like, attuned to one another. Mm-hmm. And he says, wow, in awe of her. Are you kidding me? He's not, like, looking at her. It's, like, after the kiss, he looks at her, and he's just like, wow. And she's like, what? And he's like, nothing. <laughs> Later on, after, you know, they've been together. <laughs> Post-coitus. Yeah, right. <laughs> they lay together in his bed, and Will kisses her on the cheek. Wow. So in the morning, they're laying together in bed. Another shot of feet again. 
And Will tells Anna that it's surreal that he's allowed to see her naked. And she's like, yeah, you and every other person in this country. And she asks, what is it about men and breasts? Like, you've seen thousands of them. Like, what? what's the big deal? And he's like, hmm, I don't know. Let me refresh my memory. <laughs> and she says that Rita Hayworth used to say, they go to bed with Gilda. They wake up with me. Wow. Um, Gilda is, like, her most famous character that she's ever played. So it's like, oh, and then they wake up and the fantasy is over and, like, mm -hmm. they're left with reality. And she asked him if he feels that way. And I did read that Julia Roberts hated saying this line. She was like, I hate to say anything bad about Richard Curtis's writing, but, like, I hated saying that line. It was a rough one for me to get out. So yeah. it just didn't, like, feel genuine to her. Yeah. It's very baity. Yeah. Do you, but do you feel that way now with me? It's like, obviously he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. But he says that she is lovelier this morning than she has ever been. And she asks if she can stay a little longer, and he says that she can stay forever. Wow. I can stay wow. forever. Forever? Yeah. Please clean up the house and make it look like a <laughs> decent place instead of a pig pen. Please add me to your bank account because my bookstore is swiftly is failing. going under. <laughs> Sugar, she's going down swinging. Um, yeah. So – Later on, the doorbell rings, and Anna goes to get jam for the toast. Will gets the door. There is an insane swarm of paparazzi, and, like, the way the camera zooms in and out as the cameras Ugh. are flashing, I was like, I'm unwell. I'm ill. Yeah. He slams the door shut, and Anna's like, what is it? And when he doesn't tell her, she opens the door herself, also wearing nothing but Will's button down. And she starts panicking. She's like, I have to call my team for help. Will tells Spike not to go outside. So, of course, he goes outside, okay? And he's in his underwear, and he's just eating it up. He's, like, posing. And then he comes back in, and he's like, oh, yeah, I looked great. And, like, <laughs> looks at his fucking tidy waities and he's like, firm buttocks. <laughs> Gross. And also, like, so much worse for it being two guys coming out in their underwear instead of one. Oh, yeah. Like, I am shocked I that the newspaper that. articles weren't like, Anna Scott's wild threesome with, like, two British unknown men. Like, mm -hmm. they just kind of assume that there's no way that Spike was involved sexually in the situation, which is correct, but, yeah. Also, like, why couldn't he just be, like, don't. There's paparazzi outside. Yeah. Why couldn't he? Why couldn't he do that? Yeah. But we need a little, you know, final act drama. So Anna is very upset and she accuses Spike of tipping off the press and Will apologizes, but she just keeps spiraling about how now she's going to be an even bigger scandal, especially since the press still thinks that she is with Jeff. Like they still think she has a boyfriend. And he tries to tell her to stay calm. And I'm like, that's the worst thing you could say right now, William. Uh, and she yells at him that he only has things to gain from this and everybody's going to be congratulating him for sleeping with her. It is pretty lame. Yeah. Will says that that's unfair. And she's like, well, maybe it'll even help your business. And she I'm like, nothing can help that out. business, sister. Not a damn thing. <laughs> The joke's on you. Mm-hmm. So Will tells her that this is crazy behavior. Like, can't they just laugh about this? 
You know, this stuff doesn't matter in the big picture. Look at Bella. She slipped down the stairs and now she's in a wheelchair. Like, I just want you to have some perspective. I didn't think that was like a great thing to bring up. No. Like, this is not the way to get out of this alive. No. But he, he, she is like very much blaming this on him for some reason. Yeah. And rationally, I think she knows very clearly that he didn't have anything to do with this. So Definitely. Yeah. She, she really does have a, a pretty hot temper. Yeah. And she can be quite cruel as well when she's angry as we see oh yeah so she says that he's right but she's dealt with this crap for a decade he's had it for 10 minutes so their perspectives are just different he says it's just one day tomorrow all of today's papers will be thrown out and she's like you don't understand like anytime that anybody writes about me from this point on they're going to dig up these photos. Like, newspapers last forever, mm-hmm. which she's correct. Like, he is really minimizing this in a way that's not helpful. It's not like she's just going to be like, oh, yeah, you're right. It's nobody's going to remember this. Like, no, like, when you're famous, your reputation does matter. And, like, right. people will talk about you. But she then kind of twists the knife. And, you know, after she says newspapers last forever, she says, I'll regret this forever. That's crazy. Yeah. After already, like, you know, cheating on your boyfriend and him not know, mm-hmm. like, I just feel like you got to, like, you know, pick your battles. Yeah. Like, you come to him looking for a safe haven. He lets you into his home, even though you kind of broke his heart before. You guys reconnect. And then to be like, mm-hmm. I'll regret this forever right after you slept together. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Brutal. So Will is extremely hurt and he says he'll feel the opposite. Mm-hmm. He'll always be glad that she came to stay. Mm. And Anna just leaves. Yeah. Back in the kitchen, Spike does admit to Will that he told a couple of people down at the pub that Anna was staying there. But he yeah. didn't tell – like he didn't get money for it. Like he No, just he didn't had tell a, the press. Yeah. Other people did. So we have a sad montage. We see the seasons pass. Will walks through the various markets. There's like a woman who's pregnant and then like a couple of moments later in the montage, she is holding a baby. Yeah. Um, we see Honey. Ah, oh, it's so sad. She gets yeah. her heart broken by various men and eventually spring comes back around. We go to the bookshop and Honey runs in bursting into the shop with a surprise for Will she has the phone numbers of both her London and New York agents. So he can finally call Anna and she knows that he's been thinking about her. Mm-hmm. And Will thanks her, but clearly is conflicted about calling her. And after she leaves, ends up dropping the phone numbers in the garbage. Right in the rubbish bin. Right in the rubbish bin it was. <laughs> So you may be confused as I was at the start of the scene, but you have to remember back to the opening monologue when Hugh Grant is talking about his architect friend, Tony, who turned into a chef. That character is back in the mix because like the whole friend group is at his restaurant, which is like closing down for good. Mm -hmm. They're there for like a goodbye dinner. 
And Bella tells him not to take it personally that his business has failed. You know, sometimes things don't work out. Some of us get lucky. And then Bernie chimes in and says, yeah, and some of us get fired. So he lost his stock market job and they toast to Bernie. That's crazy. And, yeah. So they toast to Bernie and Tony for both being bad in their respective careers. Honey then says, well, while we're doing announcements, I have one. Um, I've decided that I'm getting engaged. <gasps> and everyone is shocked. And Will is like, I'm your own brother. Like, I didn't know that you were with anyone. And she's like, he's like, tell me about him. Like, is he financially stable? Is he a good guy? And she says, he's a great guy. He's like a brilliant artist and like the sweetest man I've ever known or something like that. And they're all like, well, here's to you, honey. Congratulations. And they all cheers. And she leans over to Spike and she's like, it's you, by the way. And he's like, what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he was not aware of this, but he is into it. He's very excited. And you know what? They are a kooky, eclectic match made in heaven. So yes. good for them. Will then announces to everybody an apology for being so down in the dumps for the past six months, but he has turned a corner and he's decided that he's going to be happy from now on. Later on, everybody has gotten, you know, pretty drunk throughout the night. We do have this great shot of uh, Bella and Honey, like, kind of leaning on a table. And Bella's like, I'm so drunk. And her wheelchair starts, like, wheeling away from the table. And Bella has, or and Honey has to, like, pull her back. But Max and Will are sitting together. And Max asks if he's really moved on because Anna Scott is back in London. Uh, what? Yeah, she's filming what? a new Henry James adaptation in Hampstead Heath. Um, Will goes to Anna's set. <laughs> Cut to the set, you know? Yeah. And obviously they don't let him in, but Anna is just so happens to be walking out of her trailer, sees him across the way, and he's like, I only just found out you were here. And she's like, I was going to call, but dot, dot, dot. Things aren't going well, and it's our last day of shooting. But if you could just wait, there are things I'd like to say. So Karen brings him through the set so he can watch their next take. And the sound guy gives Will a pair of headphones. He's like, here, you can like listen to the dialogue while they film. And instead... We hear Anna and her co-star chatting, and he's like, who's that guy? And Anna's like, oh, no one, just uh, some guy from the past. It's a bit awkward. I don't know what he's doing here. And I would literally die. Yeah. Like, I would be so done. Yeah, I would be How do you recover mortified. from that? Mortified. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, of course, Will has to, like, preserve a shred of dignity, yeah. and he takes the headphones off, and he's like, thank you, like, I'm going to get going. Yeah, so back at the bookshop, Will is crunching those numbers when Anna shows up. This is also, like, one of the first times that we see her, like, that she's been out and about in public and, like, not wearing sunglasses or, like, a hat or anything. Mm -hmm. She's not hiding anymore. 
She's also wearing all blue, which, Ooh. as we know, she thinks that love feels like going through a blue sky. So she tries to make some small talk about how they've both been and He's like, yeah, I've been keeping up with all the awards that you've been winning. And she's like, oh, it's it's all nonsense. And she tells him that she's leaving London, but she did bring this package for him from her apartment. And she didn't know how to call him after behaving so badly twice. And then he came to the set. And the thing is... But then, like, the fucking guy who's keeps trying to buy novels at this establishment comes in. And Unbelievable that he would Will do that. Will is just like, no, absolutely not. Go away immediately. Don't even think about it. <laughs> Shoes him out of the shot, you were saying. And she says that she has to leave. But if she didn't, would he let her see him a little or a lot to see if he could like her again? And, like, she is really putting her whole heart out there on the table for him. Like, so much hope in her eyes that they can reconcile. And he tells her what he overheard on the headphones, but she says that she was just trying to keep her private life private. Martin then interrupts because Will's mother is on the phone with a medical emergency. I can't. (laughs) Yeah, again, there's a lot of feet stuff in this movie. I don't know why. Did Quentin Tarantino work on this? Did Dan Schneider, question mark? Yeah. (laughs) What's going on? Uh, But yeah, apparently her foot is turning black. So he's like, okay, I have to take this call. Martin, please entertain our guest. So Martin is like, I really loved Ghost. I'm a huge fan. And she's like. Thank you. And he's like, I've always wondered what Patrick Swayze is like in real life. And she's like, I I wouldn't know. Um, Demi Moore was in Ghost with him, not me. So awkward. So Will then finally comes back in. They resume their conversation. And he says he's a level-headed guy. You know, not often in and out of love. But... Can he just say no to her kind request and leave it at that? And it is absolutely heartbreaking for Anna. Like the I mean, Julia Roberts does, she does such good like eye work. <laughs> like all of her emotion is is stored right up there for all to see. Yeah. And her, you can just see her heartbreaking in her eyes, but like her smiling through the pain. And she's just like, yes, of course. And she's tearing up. And he says that with her, he's in real danger. It seems like a perfect situation apart from her temper. But his relatively inexperienced heart would not recover if he was once again cast aside as he would expect to be. Which uh, such a heartbreaking line. He says that there are too many pictures of her, like too many films, meaning like he would see her everywhere kind of thing. And she would leave and he would be, for lack of a better term, buggered. And she's like, wow, that really is a real no, isn't it? And he says, I live in Notting Hill. You live in Beverly Hills. 
everyone in the world oh would God, know I who can't. you are. My mother has trouble remembering my name. Fine. Fine. Good decision. Good decision. The fame thing isn't really well, you know? And don't forget, I'm also just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. I'm just a girl. <laughs> only 27 years old. Standing, standing in front of in a front boy. Of boy. <laughs> asking him to love her. Um, yeah. I mean, it's obviously gone down as one of the most iconic romantic comedy lines of all time. Definitely. And it, it is so like – sheared down and just like bare Mm -hmm. and like don't forget i'm just a person yeah like trying to speak to you from the heart yeah take me off the pedestal yeah yeah but anna says goodbye and kisses will on the cheek yeah god it's such a good scene it's so Mm -hmm. sad but i think the, the writing is so strong Yeah, they're not doing too much. Like, it's very subtle but, like, powerful. Mm -hmm. So Will's friends sit in shock after hearing the story. But when Spike arrives late and hears that Will has turned down Anna Scott, he just goes, you doffed prick. And Honey is like, no, no, like, it's actually quite sensible. And Bella asks if the painting is the original because it's now revealed that the gift that she's given him is the framed original Chagall painting that he had the print of in his living room. So like the whole time that he had this print in her, in his kitchen, she had the real thing in her apartment. Oh my God. That's it's so crazy. That's so crazy. Yeah. Bernie is like, well, you know, anyone saying that they want to go out with you is pretty great, isn't it? And Will is like, yeah, it was sort of sweet, actually. I know she's an actress and she can deliver a line and all that, but she said she might be famous as can be, but she was also just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. Mm. And they all hear this line and they're like, oh, my God. And Will is like, oh, my God, I made the wrong decision, didn't (laughs) I? (laughs) He's like, Max, how fast does your car go? So we go into the mad dash. Like they all pile into the car, but Max simply will not leave mm-hmm. without his bride. So they shove Spike in the trunk and put her wheelchair in. <laughs> and Bella gets in the um, passenger seat and they immediately like argue over the best route. Like Bella's like, no, take this way and this way. And someone else is like, no, take this way and this way. Max stops the car and he goes, I pick the route. (laughs) And then they get over as fast as possible. Will rushes to the Ritz asking for Anna, using the two aliases he knows before just listing off different cartoon characters. And the concierge does relent. He says, there was a Miss Pocahontas, but she checked out about an hour ago. But... She's holding a press conference at the Savoy Hotel before flying home. I don't feel like actors tend to host, like, press conferences just about their lives. Like, those are reserved for, like, if you're announcing a movie or, like, you have a new album coming out. But just, like, a press conference 
for an individual. Like, I'm taking off from acting. Well, I'm wondering if in the 90s maybe that was a thing. Because you, you couldn't just like announce it on social media or whatever. Like you had to right. get the word out. Because I'm like trying to remember like when Tom Holland, because he's on his break from acting right now. I'm like, I think he just said it in like an interview and that mm-hmm. was it. Or maybe he yeah. put out a statement. I don't know. But there definitely was well, not I'm a sure press his publicist like told people. Yeah, like there definitely was not a press conference where he was like, I'm taking a break from acting. Yeah, he's like, any questions? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but in any case, they have to rush over to the Savoy Hotel, but of course they get stuck in traffic. This is when Spike gets out of the car and literally directs oncoming traffic so that Max can get through. So we get to the hotel. Will, in order to gain access to this press conference, holds up his Blockbuster card as his press pass. And the uh, concierge is like, sir, that's a Blockbuster card. And he's like, yes, I work for their in-house magazine. And he's like, that's funny. That's a funny joke. Bella then rolls in and says, he's with me. I'm writing an article about how London hotels treat people in wheelchairs. And he's like, right this way, the press conference is in the Lancaster room. So Will ends up having to go through this like side door to get in. And Anna's agent is telling the press that Anna will not be making any new films for the next year. And she's leaving for the U.S. tonight. Then a reporter asks her to address the rumors that her year off is because her ex-boyfriend Jeff and his new leading lady, like, the rumors with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and Anna's like, no, and he is not my business anymore. But rumors about Jeff are usually true. And they're like, click, 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 click. Anna, Anna. Put him on blast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So another reporter asks about the photos of her and Will, and she says he was just a friend. And I'm like, how many times can you murder this man's dignity (laughs) in one film? Yeah. So finally, Will raises his hand and asks if there are any circumstances in which the two of them might be more than just good friends. And she says that she hoped there would be, but she's been assured there aren't. He asks if it turned out that he realized he'd been a daft prick and got down on his knees and begged her to reconsider. Would she reconsider? And Anna says she would. And he's like, that's very good news. Uh, The readers of Horse and Hound will be delighted. (laughs) And then she asks her... I don't know, manager to pick on the previous reporter to ask his question again. And he asks, uh, how long do you intend to stay in Britain? And Anna says, indefinitely. Whoa. And the reporters go crazy. They take photos of Anna. They take photos of Will. And they're smiling at each other. Wow. Yeah, everybody's like kissing in the audience. Right. She's like, we're engaged. Yeah. And pregnant. <laughs> well, the next thing we see, them getting married. So Mm -hmm. they have their wedding. Uh, She has the teeniest, tiniest little tiara on her bun. Yeah. And uh, uh, organza like wrap around her shoulders. They love putting like the freaking taffeta on her Mm -hmm. in this movie. Mm -hmm. 
We also see that their cake is like a Chagall-style cake with the violin playing goat on it. Uh, We also see Will and Anna (laughs) walk red carpets together. And lastly, we see them in that little park in Notting Hill on that bench in the garden. Anna, pregnant, laying her (gasps) head in Will's lap as he reads. Mm. The end. Beautiful. And that's Notting Hill. Yeah. I did not expect this movie to be like this. Like, I just had no yeah, what were of reference. Your, what was your thoughts going in? How do you feel after your first viewing? Um, pretty good. I mean, I really had no frame of reference for the plot of the film, mm-hmm. other than that it was like a rom-com. Um, and you told me like that the line was in there. Mm-hmm. But – Yeah, at first I was like, all right, how is this going to play out? Like American meets British man. But it was – it was a very beautiful film and Mm -hmm. they clearly have a very strong intimacy and like their – I don't know. Their performances were both really good. But obviously – there isn't a lot of deep conversation in the movie. Mm-hmm. And so th- there were things that at the end I felt like him addressing his feelings about his divorce and like not being able to move on and like – or addressing his feelings for her. But that also isn't really the point of this movie. Like the point is just to kind of see their like love story progress. So mm-hmm. – and it's also very much rooted in – the current conversations like I don't know I I do think it reminds me a lot of like when Harry met Sally Mm -hmm. yeah I think that you know Richard Curtis is like a very very talented writer and the way that he writes dialogue is Mm -hmm. extremely well done where we can have these lines that are really like poetic and can be so like grandiose but they come across so like grounded and down to earth where I'm like, yeah, yeah, I could imagine saying like somebody saying like as I'm watching the line be delivered, I'm like, yeah, I believe this line, but mm-hmm. it is like a little bit out of the realm of reality. So I think that he he strikes such a fantastic balance with that, and I really love the tone of the film. It's just like so quiet and it's and very peaceful quiet. Mm-hmm. and comforting. Even when we have these like slightly more emotional, volatile moments, but there's just something like not to get too cliche with it, but it really does feel like curling up with a cup of tea, like watching this movie. Oh, yeah. And I think the dialogue is light too. Like there's not a lot of like chit chat and like talking unless it's centered around a specific topic of conversation. Like even at the dinner party, there were very specific points. Yeah, like in that sense, it's different to Nora Ephron, which is like very, very dialogue heavy, but they both strike such like a comforting tone. I don't know. Maybe it's just like the way that rom-coms are shot in the 90s that just truly like Mm -hmm. feeds my soul. But yeah, I just think it's like a really beautiful movie about people who have this kind of inexplicable, unspoken connection and like, can they make this love work can they make this relationship work whilst fighting against you know 
these greater odds that are out of their control and putting their own stuff aside to like be vulnerable with each other and go after what they want. I mean, it's, it's Mm -hmm. a, it's a simple story, but I think really beautiful and something that we can all find, you know, elements of our own lives and our own relationships in. Definitely. Like, I think it is very relatable and, uh, the feeling of taking a leap of faith Mm -hmm. with someone or meeting someone and just, having that instantaneous connection, um, which is something I really admired about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that the difference between them meeting and, like, falling in love was the fact that she decided, like, somewhere in her gut that she had to kiss him. Yeah. Right? And if she had never done that, like, one act, then nothing would have progressed mm-hmm. from there. Like, they would have gone their separate ways and – it would have been the end of it. Yeah. Um, or if she had for- remembered her bag, that right. would have been the end of it. Like, I really enjoyed how the story came together. But I guess overall, I didn't feel like it insanely gripped because I felt like I always knew they were going to get together. Yeah. But it does give me – like curling up with this movie and like a hot chocolate like that sounds like an amazing time and I also watched this movie like on the tv mm-hmm. with like headphones on and I was like the time is flying by like I didn't oh, even yeah. um notice but yeah like I was honestly surprised that it was two hours because I do think that the pacing is very good and mm-hmm. um I would be really intrigued to see what the original three hour cut was. I'm like, what right. was what did like, they cut? Cutting, cutting 90 minutes is a lot. a lot. That's a whole other movie. Yeah. So I'm so curious what else was in the original script. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think it's it's a it's a good one. It's not my favorite again, and it's literally because of the fucking Alec Baldwin <laughs> twist in it. Yeah. That like just puts a little bit of a damper on the movie for me so it won't it doesn't you know land in my in my top five you know but i do think it is an incredibly well-made movie and a really beautiful rom-com definitely definitely she just wants to be seen she just wants someone to see her and he did Uh, yeah yeah well that being said what is your rating for Notting hill oh geez uh I am going to rate it uh, – I'm, like, I'm really divided between a 7.5 and an 8. Mm-hmm. I'll give it an 8. I'll yeah. give it an 8. I was also going to give it an 8. Yeah. If you are in Canada and you would like to watch it, it is available on the Stars channel on Amazon Prime. And if you're in the U.S., you can actually watch this movie for free if you have an Amazon Prime account. It's, like, a free movie go. on there right now. Beautiful. This movie did make me want to see more Julia Roberts movies. I was like, mm. I have to see the whole canon. Yeah. I've only – I've seen like a smaller handful, I feel like, of Julia Roberts movies. But one that I really want to watch that unfortunately did not get picked for Patreon, um, but, mm. you know, we will cover eventually, is Runaway Bride because we have mm. Julia and Richard Gere together again. So Yeah. 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 Gotta gotta catch that. Richard Gere, man. Ugh. Ugh, love. Well, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. We hope that your February is going swimmingly. 
If you mm-hmm. want a little extra content, of course, we have our bonus episode on Patreon, but you can always follow us on Instagram at Movies That Raised Us. You can follow us on Twitter at MTRU underscore pod. You can follow us on TikTok at Movies That Raised Us pod, and you can always send us a good old-fashioned email. Just type your little heart out <laughs> at MoviesThatRaisedUs at gmail.com. And we will see you next week for another installment of Fall in Love February. Yes. I'm Mo. And I'm Christina, and our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.